Uh, tonight we're in Psalms 59. Uh, title of this song is to the chief musician set to do not destroy. It's a, a, a victim of David uh, or a golden psalm of David. Uh, when Saul sent men and they watched the house uh, uh, in order to kill him. Uh, this is uh, referred to uh, 1 Samuel 19. Uh, remember when Saul sent, uh, I guess, some assassins to uh, kill David, to watch him and uh, catch him in his everyday activities and, and kill him. I believe this is one of the first, maybe the first public times where Saul was actually uh, pursuing him to kill him. Uh, and you've got Saul's younger daughter that's married to David that actually uh, helps him escape. Um, she, remember, she put something in the bed, some goat hair in the bed, and when they come for him, she says that uh, 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 he's sick. Uh, Saul says, well, it doesn't matter that he's sick. Bring him in his bed uh, to me so I can kill him. And then they go in and find that he's not there. They question uh, David's wife, of course, which is Saul's youngest daughter. Uh, and basically, she comes up with the excuse that, well, he was going to kill me if I didn't help him. Um, then you, you start seeing David's time on the run uh, uh, from this point. And one thing that I think is, is interesting about, about this psalm and many others, um, David still, even though he's in this psalm, he, he, he's... He's praying for God's help. He's praying for God's deliverance from his enemies. But he's also, even in his distress, even in uh, uh, his time of need, he still is praising God. And he still shows that close relationship with God. And I think one thing that is interesting, and I think it really shows a, a good parallel uh, to Jesus, you think of David. Was David a bad guy? Yeah, uh, when you think about David, you think about him being king, you think about all the songs that were sung about him because uh, of all the ones that he killed. Remember, he, uh, all the Philistines he killed just to get the wife that he had. Um, and you think about all these good things that David did, and David being a man after God's own heart, why did he have so many enemies? Why, why was he put in such a tough spot so much? You ever thought about that? I mean, you think about really... The, the, all the things that he went through. Uh, but then if you compare him to Christ, I mean, Christ didn't sin against anyone. Look how many enemies he had. Um, so you start seeing these things unfold, and, and it kind of gives you, to me, gives you a little hint of, okay, serving God doesn't mean you're going to be without trouble. Serving God doesn't mean you're going to be without enemies. matter of fact, it may bring on trouble, and it may bring on enemies. Um, and I think there's a lot that we can learn from David as uh, you see his connection that he has with God when he's faced with the trouble that he's faced with. Let's just begin here, maybe the first two verses of, first, uh, of, of uh, Psalms 59. It says, Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity, and save me from bloodthirsty men. Uh, now David here goes through, he, he, he says a couple of things. One, he starts out like he does many of his psalms, wanting God to deliver him from his enemies. David finds himself in a, a very 
a, a tough trial, a tough spot where, he, you know, it's not just that he has people not like him. You've, you've got a, a king, you've got a man of authority that people are wanting to try to please him and butter up to him. You've got this individual sending people actually out to assassin him, you know, to assassinate him. You, so when you think about David having enemies, it's not just that somebody's going to come up and, and yell at him. It's not that just somebody's going to come up and fuss with him or, or dislike him. These individuals are actually there to kill him. Um, so this is what he's facing with, and, and he does like he does many times. He, he cries out to God. But notice how he cries out to God. He calls God, first of all, my God. He says, deliver me from my enemies, oh my God. He doesn't say just... Deliver me from my enemies, God. He, he's making this personal connection with God. God is his God, isn't it? it, it it's personal to him. It's that connection to him. He, he's so, I, I think, connected and uh, confident in what God can do and is going to do and has done for him. I think that's a, that's a good trait that David has. David is able to draw on uh, his trust in God. He gets that from what he has experienced. And the things that he experienced, he attributes to God. You know, I, I got through this because God did this. I, I, I got, you know, we could go all the way back to Goliath, you know, and, and that's what you're seeing in this situation. You remember, David was able to uh, defeat Goliath. He was defeated. All of these goes out into battle, and there's songs that sung about him, about you know, all the people that he, that he conquered and killed and how great he was, and, and, and he's this wonderful person, but yet the life that he's living is a life on the run from enemies that's wanting to kill him. So you, you see all this in connection to, okay, David has this connection with God, and he's able to draw on what he knows God, God has done for him. That's, what, that's how he defeated Goliath. I went up against a bear and a lion. This Goliath's not anything. It's God that delivered me from that, so it's God that's going to do this. Now, when David's faced his enemies here, is he saying, okay, I'm going to go out here, I'm going to do a sneak attack, I'm going to kill these individuals myself, or I'm going to kill Saul myself so he won't, he won't uh, uh, try to kill me anymore. How many opportunities did he have to kill Saul? Several. Yeah, he had several opportunities, and he let Saul know that he had those opportunities. But he realized it wasn't up to him to do that. It wasn't up to him to seek out that vengeance for Saul, and it wasn't up, for him, up to him to take Saul out of the position that he was in. That was God's doing, wasn't it? And David understood that. But David is able to draw on what God has done for him to be able to face what he's facing. And he, notice he says, my God. He says, my defense, my God of mercy, my strength. Notice he says, defend me from those who rise up against me. Uh, some version actually says, bring me up on, uh, like a high tower. Uh, that's kind of what David is, is picturing here. God, bring me up to a place to where my enemies can't reach me. My enemies can't get to me. Bring me to that place that, that you're at, that safety, that refuge, that defense. And, and David is confident that God's going to do this. Um, you know, I, I think about this a lot because I'm... Uh, I can tend to be a doom and gloom person. I can, I can tend to be that, that individual that, that, okay, I'm faced with this now. Uh, 
uh, of course I am. This, this is going to happen, or this is going to happen, you know, or this is going to happen. You know, I, that, that's how sometimes I look at things. But we should look at things as a Christian. Okay, I'm faced with this. I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust that, that God's going to be with me. And if you have that kind of attitude, really, is there anything we can't face? You know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do for me far abundantly more than I can ask or think according to the power that's in me. What's Paul saying there? Number one, what I think God can do for me, God can do far beyond that. He's able to do that according to that power. Paul says in, in Romans 1.16 that the power is the gospel. So as long as I keep His Word, if I keep His instructions close to me, God can do far beyond what I can think He's going to do. He's able to do that. So David may not know how God's going to do it, and David even tries to instruct God, like we talked about last week. Do this to my enemy, do this to my enemy, stop my enemy this way. But all he needs to know, and all he does know, is God can do it. And he trusts that God uh, is going to. And I think that's the key to anything that we face. God can be with me through this. God can conquer anything. You know, if God's for me, what? Who can be against me, right? So if I have God on my side, then nothing else really matters. Now, David's going to do his part. You know, he's going to do his part to stay alive. But he knows what God's going to do and what God... Uh, can do, and I think that's a big part of, again, showing his character and his relationship uh, to God. Look at verses 3 through 5 here. Uh, he says, For look, they lie in wait for me, the mighty gather against me, not for my transgressions nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves through no fault of mine. Awake to help me, and behold, you therefore, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be merciful to any wicked transgressor. Now David says a whole lot here to unpack in these verses. Notice what he says first of all. For look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me. So it's almost like you can see David you know, peeking out his window. Right there they are. They're lying in wait. They're, they're just waiting to kill me. This is an actual threat. And it's like he's telling God, you know, look, this is what they're doing. They're right here on me. And notice what he says when it comes to the reason. He says, not for my transgressions, nor for my sin, uh, they prepare themselves, though no fault of mine. So is David telling God, I'm a sinless person, I'm a blameless person, there's no need for me to have any enemies, uh, so do something about this, God. Is that the attitude he's got here? No, I don't believe that's what it is. I believe what it is, is in this instance, is there any, what's the reason Saul wants to kill David? Yeah, there's a couple of things that have transpired. One, is, is, Saul, is David, does Saul think David's replacing him is that David's fault? Is that David's doing? What, what's the reason Saul's being replaced? Yeah, we could go back, remember, God told him to do something. He didn't do it the way that God said to do it. He trusted in himself. He followed the people. 
He tried to say, but, but I did follow you. I, I did do what you say. He said, but, but he didn't. Then, now you've got people singing about David. You've got, so what do you have here? You've got jealousy. You've got pride. You've got all these things that aren't David's fault. They, David, David didn't do this to Saul, but Saul has to kill him, I think, for pride. I mean, what does actually Saul think is going to happen? That if he kills David, everything that Samuel told him is not going to take place? But do we think straight when, we, when we're jealous? Do we think straight when we're full of pride? All we can focus on is, I've got to blame somebody. This can't be a fault of mine. You know, you, you picture, especially a king. You know, a king can be like any person. When they get in a certain position, what can happen? Head can start to swell, can it? You know, we can start thinking about how powerful I am, how much authority I have. So Saul could be in that position, and he was a mighty man, wouldn't he? I mean, he, he, he was a pretty, pretty big statue man. But you've got individuals that quit singing about him and started singing about David. Now the people are looking at David and singing about David, and that's got to hurt his pride. It, it, it's not, I don't think it's just about what Samuel told him. I think it's about what he's hearing from the people. It's hurting his pride. It, it's clouding his judgment, and all he has is anger and revenge. He's got to take it out on somebody. David's got to die. You know, and there's times that he kind of backs up when he realizes, okay, David could have killed me, let's back up. But he comes back to the same thing over and over again. So We've got to blame somebody. You ever got mad at yourself for something and you take it out on somebody else? You ever done that? I think that's what's happening here to Saul, but to an extreme to he's wanting to kill him. You know, so you've got that situation, and that goes back to David. David said, this wasn't any fault of mine. They're here to kill me out of no sin or transgression of me. Now, what is sin and transgression? Well, sin is transgression of the law, isn't it? That's referring to him doing something against God. So David said, I've not done that. I'm not in that position. They're wanting to kill me for something besides that. There was another psalm. And it just it slipped my mind now. Uh, where David actually basically said this same thing. I haven't done anything. He even asked God to search him to see that he'd make it right if he did. But he didn't do what these individuals, these enemies, the, the enemy, the wicked people that's after him said that he did. So David is saying to God, I'm innocent. I'm an innocent man. They're here to kill me. I need your help. I need you to take care of this. Then he goes on. He says, Awake to help me, and behold. You think he thinks God's asleep? <laughs> what do you think he means by that? Awake and help me. See what they're doing. What? Yeah. Yeah, I, I need you to, to, to focus on... David is very... I, I, that's one thing, another thing I like about the song. He's very specific in the things that he, he, he talks to God about. He's very direct. He's very personal. My God, my defender, you know, uh, have mercy on me. It, it's, you know, you can go to Psalms 51 and, and, and see how personal these things is to God. Uh, God is my strength. He's my refuge. He's my, he's this. This is what he is to me. 
And, and, and you see that, how, how personal that is uh, 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 with David here. I think he's just telling God, I, you know, I don't know if focus is the right, right word. Um, I, I think he's just really wanting God's full attention here. This is, David feels like he's in dire straits. They're waiting for him. They're going to kill him. He really needs God to act pretty quick here. Uh, I think that's what he's, he, he's stressing when he's, he's saying this. He said, You therefore, O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel. Now this within itself, I think, is pretty good because he uses uh, every, uh, all three names of, of God referring to different things. You've got Yahweh. You've got the, the, uh, the commander of the heavenly armies. You've got uh, uh, the God of, uh, of Israel. He, he, he's directly talking to unmistakably his God, our God. He, he, he's talking to the God, isn't he? He's making sure he, he, he's using every one of these. O Lord, God of hosts, the God of Israel. Uh, he, he's giving God every uh, accolade, every uh, reverence that, that you can here. Uh, that's how personal this is to David. That's how direct it is to David. That's how serious it is to David. You know, it, it, it got me thinking as I was studying this psalm, how direct are my prayers? How uh, personal are my prayers? Are, are, are my prayers just general? Are they things that I think that I can't bother God with? That, oh, that's just a little matter. You know, you think, I mean, this is a pretty serious thing with David, but uh, David is, uh, I, I don't think he's using his prayer voice. I think he's reverent to God, but I think he's talking directly to God. This is coming straight from his heart, straight from a need, uh, a need that he has. He says, do not be merciful. He said, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be merciful to any wicked transgressor and I was reading some things uh, again about this because when David starts using language like this uh, you can get uh, some scholars some some commentary some that have trouble with David saying things like this you know we've talked about this a few times in class of how David is praying about his enemies I mean look he, look what he's saying here the uh, awake to punish the nation do not be merciful to any wicked transgressor. So what is actually David saying here that he wants God to do to the wicked? The, more specifically, the wicked. He gets a little broader, but more specifically, the wicked that's trying to do something to him. What's he want God to do? Punish them. You know, Titus, I think it was at the uh, end of last class that you know David was praying about God destroying the wicked, destroying his enemies. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty harsh, direct statement, isn't it, uh, that David's doing? And again, how does that reconcile? And, and I read some scholars, and they may be right, I, I don't necessarily agree with them, that, well, that's a different time when Jesus prayed, prayed, you know, pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that we couldn't pray the way that David... Can we pray the way that David prays and still follow what Jesus said about our enemies? Is that possible to do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think people go to Jesus on the cross and Jesus prays, Lord, forgive them, they know not what they do. And we go, look at Jesus, even the people that are killing him, he prays. 
And, and that's the thing. God has always promised to reward the righteous and punish the wicked. And uh, we've seen examples to where God punishes the wicked that's doing something to the righteous but may not be on behalf of the righteous but just because the wicked are being wicked. And, and, and there is a difference in that. Uh, again, there's vindication in that. But here you have a situation to where... Uh, David is, is just saying what is a reality. If a person doesn't change, God is going to punish the wicked. And David here is just saying, you know, don't be merciful to him, don't change. And that's the thing. It's real good to say, and it's real maybe comforting to say, you know, there's certain wicked that we just expect to be punished, and then there's certain wicked people that we expect to God to just, oh, it's going to be okay. And we like to generalize that, don't we? We, we, we like to put that in, in, in different perspectives. Uh, but like always, the problem with that, if God is going to take a wicked person and say, you know, I, I've changed my mind, enter thou into the joys of, of, of heaven. If he says that, can he not tell me as a Christian, well, I've changed my mind, you can go to hell. You know, you're, you're not going to heaven. You're not getting the rewards of heaven, no matter the sacrifice. You, if he can do one, he can do the other, can he? So when it comes to the wicked, David here is just saying the wicked is going to get theirs. And, 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 and David is expecting that. David is, is needing that because he's needing that one to physically save his life. But he is just saying, okay, maybe it's reinforcing it to himself. Okay, here's what they're wanting to do to me, but, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. They're going to get theirs. You know, they're... they're and I think that's why David felt like he didn't have to because he knew God would. Well, you can go back to Goliath there. Remember when, when David came up on Saul's army and they were, they were frozen with fear, that Phobos fear of, of Goliath going out. Remember what David said? He defiles God, right? Uh, that, that's the issue that David had. It, it, it's against God. And I think the same thing as Titus was saying is here. When they're doing this, they're going against God. And there's no reason for that because David said, I've not done anything to transgress so it, it, they're not doing anything to me because I did something against God. So if they're doing this to me and I'm missing it, they're, they're going against God, just like he said uh, Goliath did. And that's why he says that something has, somebody has to do something. 
And in the case of Goliath, David was, was to do it with the help of God. In this case, David once again is calling on God to do that, uh, uh, to, to help him in, in that time of need. And I, I think there's a sense of confidence in that, a boldness in that. What does the Bible talk about? Come boldly before God. What, what does that mean? Can I come as a Christian? I mean, just think about it. As a child, come to your father. If you had somebody that uh, was doing something to harm you, would it be out of line to expect your father to defend you? I, I would think he would. I, I, would, I would go up to him, you know, look what they're doing to me, you know. Look, look, looks what you would expect them to do that. That, that's not arrogance, that, that, that's boldness because of the relationship that you have with, with your father. And I think that's what David is doing. Because of that relationship, he, he is, is boldly able to do that, come before God and, and say, look what they're doing to your servant. Look, I, I'm innocent in this, I, I didn't transgress in this, they're wicked and don't show any mercy to them. Because they're wicked. Now the wicked that David is talking about is not somebody who just happens to make a choice in the moment to do something, they set out to do this. You know, that's what David talked about in, in other psalms is stop what they're doing, you know, blunt their bows, bend their, break their bows, bust out their mouths. You know, all these things of power that they're trying to use against me, God, destroy that, take care of that. And uh, I think, again, that's what David, David is doing here. Look in verses uh, 6 and 7. He said, at evening they return, they growl like a dog, and go all around the city. Indeed, they belch with their mouth, swords are in their lips, for they say, who hears? So now he's talking about them, how arrogant they are. They're, they're like a dog that's just growling and going around the city and just you know, kind of wreaking havoc. But their main thing is, they say, well, who hears? Who, who's going to do anything? Who's, who hears us? They're there by the authority of Saul. So who's going to stop them from doing that? You know, who, who's going to stop them from... They come to this place with full control and full authority that basically they can do whatever they want to do. Who's going to stop them? Who's going to hear what they do? So with that kind of liberty, David has a right to, to go to God and, and, and need something done. He has a right to say, they're, they're here to kill me. They're, they're here, they're just waiting to do this because there's nobody out there that's going to stop them. And they know that, and they even say that. You know, it's almost like they're saying, go ahead and scream, who's going to stop us? What are they going to do, go to Saul? <laughs> uh, they're there, well, Saul sent them. So actually, who, who can do anything uh, except those that's there to, uh, to help David? So he kind of talks about them of the kind of people they are. He calls them bloodthirsty. In the uh, first couple of verses, he calls them, they're walking around like dogs. And he says they belch with their mouths. In other words, the things that they're, they're bellowing out. It's almost like, uh, 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 some translation even talks about like a foaming from the mouth. In other words, they're just, uh, uh, they're going to get some enjoyment out of this. They're, they're wanting to do this. Because think, if, if they were to bring David to Saul dead, what do they think Saul's going to do for them? You know, this, this is about power for them, too. This is about prestige for them. This is about getting some points with Saul here. Uh, we've seen some other instances where some individuals want to get some points with Saul and kind of turn David over and, and killed the priest because of it because they wanted to look good at the right time in front of Saul uh, uh, to do that. And I think you have the same thing uh, taking place here. 
Look at uh, 8, 8 through 10. David's strong confidence in God. Uh, he says, But you, O Lord, shall laugh at them. You shall have all the nations in derision. I will wait for you, O you, uh, o you his strength. For God is my defense. My God of mercy shall come to meet me. God shall let me see my desire on my enemies. So you're seeing here, um, as David says, Okay, God, this is what uh, uh, the situation I'm in. This is the kind of people that I'm dealing with. This is what they're doing. And it shows he, he's got time here to say, Okay, I, I've said this to God, and I've got total confidence that God's able to do this. Uh, he knows God's strength. He knows, but again... Does he know for sure what God's going to do? I think that's the key to faith. I don't have to know what he's going to do. I just have to know what he can do. And as long as I know what he can do, it really doesn't matter after that. But David here has time to think about uh, God's going to show mercy to me. God's going to give me strength. God is my defender. He's my strength. He's my protector. And uh, he can overcome these. There, there's nothing greater than God. So no matter how mean and how uh, uh, vicious and wicked these individuals are, God's still stronger. God is still my strength, and he's going to show mercy on me. And, and, and I think Titus brought up a good point earlier. I think David knows. You know, I think he... Do you think he was ever in the uh, uh, this paradox maybe that Abraham was in? You remember, God promised Abraham a seed and, and, and promised a great nation from that, and then God tells him to kill him. I, I guess that in, in Abraham's mind, that, that didn't make sense, right? How, how can God do this? So how did Abraham rationalize it? Well, God can raise him from the dead. So that's all that matters. It doesn't have to make sense to me. All I know, if I kill him, God's able to raise him from the dead. God, God's going to be able to fulfill his promise. Do you ever think David in all of this, okay, God has promised me the throne, but yet I'm faced with all this danger. Do you ever think he thought in the back of his mind, one, this don't make sense. If I die, then I can't take the throne. Or do you ever think that he, he thought at times, nothing's going to happen to me because God's going to want me on the throne. You know, uh, could have been both at times. You know, I, I think we can, we can be like that as Christians first trial that we face, we may think, well, this don't make sense. I'm a Christian now. I shouldn't face these trials. I shouldn't go through this hardship. You know, I, I, I'm a child of God. I shouldn't have to go through this. And then sometimes we may walk out, nothing can touch me. I'm a child of God, you know. So I, I think we can have those same moments. Um, but I just wonder, it was just a thought I had, I just wonder if David may have thought maybe some of his confidence that he had could have been in the fact, okay, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to have to go through, but maybe I'm not going to die because God has promised me the throne. So maybe him trying to reconcile how God is going to do that uh, could have possibly been going through his mind uh, from time to time. Anybody got any thoughts about that? You think he possibly could have been thinking that? Yeah. I mean, that all feeds that into the Jesus story. <laughs> you know, if God promises Jesus the throne, even if he dies, he's going to 
is going to raise him from the dead. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the trials that David has to go to to get to where he's going to get. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you think of, of things that symbolizes with, with Christ and, and David, but maybe there's a lot more than we actually think when you look at the life of David of uh, preparing us for really expecting that with Jesus when a lot of people were surprised at that time. Well, how come you're going through this? Or why are you going through this? You're, you're king. Well, David was promised king. Look what he, you know, uh, he, he had to hide out in caves. And Jesus didn't have anywhere to lay his head. So uh, you, you start looking at all of these comparisons. Uh, you know, God gives us more little golden nuggets maybe than, than we actually think that he does throughout Scripture uh, as we see these things. So you, you think this may be God preparing him to be king? He was made perfect through things which he suffered. It seems kind of kind of weird Jesus learning something doesn't it um, but when you think about uh, him becoming flesh and dwelling among us as John says he had to face the things that and go through the and feel the things uh, that we do uh, you know you think about Moses look how long God prepared Moses to do what he did so you know God was in the preparing business And you look at the things he learned, you know, self-control. I always think about Jesus as self-control, having the power to just wipe everybody off face the earth. And, you know, the first time somebody spit in my face, I'd probably, I'd be like the sons of thunder. I'd be ready to rain down fire on them, you know. But he, he, he learned that self-control. He had that. And you look at David, the things that David faced, he could easily just said, I'm tired of this, I'm done with this, I'm taking him out. I'm taking Saul out once for all. I'm tired of running, I'm tired of doing it. But David didn't do that. He realized it wasn't his place to do that. Burton, you had something? Thank you. 
Yeah. And and part of being that of that value is obeying his will. What about the times that I don't, I refuse to, what blessings did I miss out of because I didn't do that? You know, God's will is still going to be accomplished, but maybe I was the one that needed to do this to receive that blessing or to reach that person, but I refused to do it because I did something else. You know, it's a it it, it it's a Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, look at verses 11 through 13. He says, Do not slay them lest my people forget. Scatter them by your power. Bring them down, O Lord, our shield, for the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips. Let them even be taken in their pride. And for the cursing and lying which they speak, consume them in wrath. Consume them that they may not be and let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Here again, you've got, uh, you've got David in a situation to where, uh, again, I, I keep going back to that word, vindication. You know, it, it's almost like David is saying, yep, take them down in their pride. Take them down in, the, you know, David is looking, I think, beyond just the flesh. He, he's not walking in, in the carnal mind. He's walking in uh, the spirit to the effect of he, he knows the prideful's going to fall. The wicked's going to fall. The, you know, their day is coming. That day of vindication for, for all of God's people is coming when, when the wicked are destroyed. And, and that's, you know, when God said vengeance is mine, I don't know if looking forward to it is the right word, but there, there is a sense of satisfaction in that. There's a sense of uh, uh, relief and peace of knowing that if we just keep that at the forefront of our minds. Verses 14 15. The body uh, danger here said, At evening they return, they growl like a dog and go all around the city. They wander up and down for food and how if they are not satisfied. Again, he just goes back to, to saying this is how wicked they are. This is what they're like. They're like just a bunch of ravenous dogs that's coming back and, and they're not going to stop. But what gets me about this whole song is these last few verses. He says, singing praise, uh, uh, here he's singing praise uh, despite of his danger. He says, but I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O my strength, I will sing praise. For God is my defense, my God of mercy. And all of this, and that's what we forget sometimes about a psalm. It's a song. And all of this, David is able to sing praises to God. With all his enemies, with everything that's around him, he, he, he's able to sing these praises, and this is how close he is to God. My strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. Not just a God of mercy, my God of mercy. You know, David, again, it's, it, it's, it's my God, it's my strength, it's my defense. Uh, David has no doubt that God has his eye on him. And each one of us can say that, can't we? We're servants of His. Each one of us can say, this is what my God can do. You know, this is what my... You know, how many... Uh, you know, David says here many times, oh my God. Does, does David mean this different than we hear this every day of our lives? You hear people say all the time, oh my God. You know, OMG. 
you know, that doesn't mean anything to people nowadays, you know. Uh, this means something to David. It is his God, isn't it? It, it, it is personal to him. Um, and that's why we've got to be careful not to cheapen uh, how we view God and not lessen how we view God. We need to always be reverent and, and realize what God means to us. Uh, any final thoughts or questions? Every time I think about that, I think about uh, Hannah when she was little. You know, she'd heard it somewhere, and she'd say, oh, my God. And we'd, we'd tell her, don't say that, don't say that. And then she, she heard somebody say it, and she said, Daddy, they said, oh, my G word. They would think that he, she got to thinking God was a bad word to say. And I said, no, just in the way in which you said it. You know, God's not a bad word to say, but you, you don't need to lessen uh, his name of how we say it. And people do that to where God doesn't really mean anything anymore. It's just a phrase or a name.